0: Equipping speakers to make an impact, it's the KEY5 Podcast, for speakers, by speakers, with your host, Robert Ferguson.
1: Welcome to the KEY5 Podcast, for speakers, by speakers. For show notes and to get free stuff, go to key Today, we're talking with Holly Buchanan, a speaker and CEO of a consulting firm specializing in marketing and selling to women. She's also the author of Selling Financial Services to Women, What Men Need to Know and Even Women Will Be Surprised to Learn. Let's get started. So Holly, give us a one sentence descriptor of what you do.
0: Sure, Uh, I am a speaker, researcher, author and consultant with two areas of specialty. One is working with the financial industry, uh, doing speaking and consulting and sales training on the differences in how men and women buy financial services and products. And two is speaking and researching how professionals win and lose credibility.
1: Wow, so those are two distinct audience types, uh, those who want to know the differences, men and women and the others, professionals
0: uh yeah yeah it, it's for financial professionals is one area but uh winning and losing credibility is something uh pretty much every one of us can use <laughs> that's information that's valuable
1: absolutely so how did you get started then in the uh, speaking business
0: I was dragged in kicking and screaming <laughs> I was like I was that person who was more afraid of public speaking than death <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I worked for a consulting firm and they needed someone to teach a class on persuasive online copywriting. And they basically said, you're going to teach it. And I said, no, I'm not. And they said, yes, you are. (laughs) So once I did it, I actually enjoyed it, which is surprising for an introvert like me, but I I didn't die. (laughs) And it really, it became an absolute passion of mine, which is very surprising. I never would have thought I would enjoy public speaking as much as I do.
1: So I'm curious, how long did that period take from being afraid of it, like worse than death to, wow, I think I actually enjoy this? What was that time period?
0: It was one seminar. Wow. it, It was that quick. It was that, you know, going in with the cold sweat, I didn't sleep the night before, I got up there, I'm shaking, going, oh my God, this is going to be terrible, they're going to hate me. But when I got through, it was a two-hour presentation, and they loved it. (laughs) And I was like, wow, like that was really cool. So it, it really was that instantaneous, one incredibly positive experience, and I was hooked.
1: Wow, yeah, I was going to say you're hooked, and now you're very good at it. And and I'm sure have, with the experience you have, we could talk about all the great things you do. But sometimes we learn, I find, from the mistakes we've made. Any big mistakes that you can share with our audience?
0: Many, <laughs> uh, but I, I will share one in particular because it was so profound and so painful. I was speaking at a conference and. As so often happens, they were running behind. And I had an hour and a half slot where an hour was for me and a half an hour was for my sponsor, an insurance company who was sponsoring me to speak and it was their slot to talk about their products to the audience. Well, when I say behind, I mean, they were running like an hour behind. So I do what I always do. And I said, do you want me to take my fully allotted time Or do you want me to condense it? And they said, no, take your fully a lot of time. So I did, but the Q and A went long. And I got off the stage and they ended the conference. They didn't let my sponsor speak because I'd gone over. And that is just the kiss of death as a speaker. (laughs) (laughs) Like the person who's sponsoring you doesn't get to do their pitch. (laughs) So, it was really painful, but an important message that I took away from that is, when conferences are running behind, and they will, be very clear about the expectations of your time and end on time.
1: Well said. It's the audience that decides should decide, not the um, conference planner even, absolutely. Well, as you have uh, learned from such mistakes as that, when you're preparing for an upcoming speech, what are some of the things you do?
0: I have a checklist that I go through, and it starts by finding out everything I can about the audience. I want to know who's going to be there. uh, What do they care about? What are their challenges? What do they want to hear? What do they not want to hear? Uh, I do everything I can. And if I can get to the conference early and actually talk to attendees and just say, hey, I'm gonna be speaking about the subject. You know, do you have any specific questions? You know, what, what would you like to hear me cover? Uh, and the great thing about that is when I'm on stage, I'll take a note and I'll actually bring a written note with me on stage as a reminder to say, I was talking earlier with Paul in the audience and he had a great question. And I find in my speaker reviews that one of the reasons I get high ratings is they say Holly made the material relevant to me. Uh, so that that's, you know, that the number one thing. The number two thing I do is I prepare for challenges and objections. Uh, I don't want to ever be caught off guard on stage. So I think, you know, what are all the different ways they could come at me <laughs> and make sure that I have prepared answers so that I'm never in that deer in headlights. Look, where you just have no idea how to respond. Uh, and, and the number three thing is I always look at a strong beginning and a strong ending. Hmm. Do I have a great story? Do I have a video? Do I have a prop? Uh, I actually, when I speak about using verbal Aikido, My original intent was to pull up an audience member to do a demonstration. But thinking that through, there were so many things that could go wrong with that. (laughs) 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 Probably not a great idea. So I got a gigantic blow up Batman doll (laughs) uh, that I do for this presentation. But let me tell you, when I get up on stage with a life-size blow up Batman doll, like I have everybody's attention. (laughs) <laughs> so it's all about how you start and how do you end. So those are the three things I do to prepare.
1: Fabulous. A quick question. When you're doing your pre uh, prep work, talking to the audience uh, ahead of time, what are a couple of questions that you might ask to understand what they're looking for?
0: Uh, the, the number one I say, you know, what are your challenges? Like, you know, when you go back to the office tomorrow, what are going to be the biggest challenges that you you're facing? Okay. You always want to get the pain points. Uh, Because that usually I can then from there direct the conversation to the topic that I'm going to cover and then say, okay, how about in this topic? Uh, Because the pain points are absolutely the areas where you're going to get their attention if you can provide relevant information on how to handle that challenge.
1: Makes sense. Thank you. Well, as you're uh, building your business, and specifically your speaking business, what are some of the things you're doing to promote your speaking business? Mm -hmm.
0: The number one thing I do is write books. Mm -hmm. I've written two, I've got a third that's mostly done, but I actually just started writing a fourth around the winning and losing credibility because that book is gonna have a broader audience. So I wanna get that written and out there because as a speaker, it is ridiculous. (laughs) the amount of credibility you have if you can say hey I have a new book out Uh, and I always say to the conference organizers you know would you like to purchase purchase copies for the audience members I'll give you a 50% off Uh, so that the writing a book is just a very expensive business card but a very effective one
1: so are you writing it physically yourself or are you working with a ghostwriter
0: I do my own writing. I actually, my background was copywriting. Wow. So I write my own books, which uh, <laughs> uh, has its pros and cons. Uh, but yes, I do my own writing.
1: Good for you. It's. I know that's hard work, but that's, that's pretty neat. So Holly, as a speaker, is there somebody out there you admire as another speaker? Maybe you've modeled yourself after in your style.
0: Absolutely. And, and I just want to do one more quick follow up on the previous uh, question, because um, I did the Key5 video series where they put on the conference and they videotape you. From it's professionally lighted, it's really well done. They've got multiple camera angles and they do a professionally edited video. As a speaker, you need to have that speaker reel, uh, but it is so rare that I can get permission to have myself videotaped uh, that I think this is one of the best things I ever did as a speaker because now I have this fabulous looking, (laughs) you know, five minute video that I have on my website uh, for the conference organizers to look at. So I just want to say, you know, having a really professionally done speaker reel.
1: Well, we appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but the the speaker that I admire, um, Brene Brown, is a researcher, author and amazing speaker. And the reason I model my speaking after her is She's not a super polished speaker. She's very transparent. She's very authentic. She has a great sense of humor. She tells stories. And I find that she does an amazing job of relating to the audience. Hmm. So I learned an awful lot by watching how she speaks and puts together her material and her content.
1: Fabulous. Stealing with our eyes is a key way of learning. Exactly. So as we wrap up here, Holly, any um, one tip or recommendation you would make to our recommendation to our speakers and our audience?
0: Absolutely. You know, we talked about starting and ending on time and know your audience. But the the one recommendation I would give is assume your audience is hard of hearing. (laughs) Okay, why? Here's why I say that actually hearing loss is a huge problem. I actually have hearing loss. I lost most of the hearing in uh, one ear when I was young. Uh, But what I found through my research is hearing loss is a problem across all age ranges. It's not just older folks. So I bring this up because so many times I will see someone speaking or giving a presentation and they say, oh, I don't need a microphone. I have a loud voice. And, and like always, always, always have a microphone or ask for a microphone. Like if it's bigger than a conference room with 15 people, always ask for a microphone because it will also allow you to have broader range. Mm-hmm. So you're not always trying to to kind of shout to be heard. Um, but the the second part of assume your audience is hard of hearing is too many speakers talk really quickly or kind of swallow their words. And even, even if you're a business owner giving a business presentation, uh, you can think, you know, I've only got a little bit of time so I have to talk really fast if so I can get everything in. Cause I really want to get it all in, but oh, they're still listening. <laughs> uh, so my recommendation is take up conversational real estate which means when you're making an important point, slow down, pause, enunciate, and make your point. Take up conversational real estate so that your audience hears that really important point. Don't do the whole speech like that, like that would be awful, but on the important points,
1: mm-hmm.
0: too often they, they hit it and they talk really fast or they swallow the words and you're left going, what? What? That sounded really important. What was that? I didn't hear it.
1: Well, that's brilliant and I appreciate I think that's, that's great advice for our audience and Holly, I just uh, want to say thanks. This has been great and as we like to say to our audience, we'll see you on the stage. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about why you don't need to schedule breaks.
2: When I'm speaking long enough to warrant a break, say more than an hour, I always instruct the host to not publish the break time on any agenda. That gives me the flexibility to steal a few minutes from one section and give it to another, depending on the importance of content and the audience's questions. If there's a published timed break, then everyone gets antsy as it approaches. I don't like to give an audience any reason to not pay attention. And a pending break is certainly a distraction. Up front, I like to tell people that they are welcome to handle any personal crisis as an adult and promise that we'll break when necessary. But I don't want it scheduled and tied to a particular moment of time. There is one time that should be scheduled and held to with rigor. The end time. Don't ever run over. And don't publish A break time. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute. Thanks, Alan.
1: This is one reason I keep these podcasts short. No breaks needed. On our next Key5 podcast, I'll be interviewing Stephen Scoggins, an entrepreneur who went from homelessness to building multi-million dollar businesses, and is now a master life strategist delivering presentations that are transformational. I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number five, podcast.com. And remember to enter your name for a chance to win a copy of Alan's book, Presentation Sin. At the end of every month, we're giving away a book. So go to key5podcast.com today.
0: Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to keyfivepodcast.com.